You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. It's great to see you guys. Hope you are doing well this morning and enjoying the warm weather. I can't help but say in November to see that we've got a forecast where I think every day is in the mid to high 60s. Like winter's over, I guess. We've had it, right? It's... It's, it's just done, you know, I think it's done. It kind of makes me feel a little weird. A few weeks ago, I kind of, probably like many of you, like, wow, fuel bills are going through the roof this winter, and we have fuel oil, natural gas isn't an option, and I think the only thing more expensive that we could heat with is electric, and that's why we have a wood stove, but I kind of had a little thought, I'm like, I ought to check the insulation in our attic. When I moved in there almost 20 years ago, I checked it, and it was like just, I mean, a little bit, and and uh, my recollection was that I put enough in, but in hindsight, it was only half of what, you know, I really should have had. It's probably what I could afford at the time. So uh, you can see a picture, I think, of a truck. So I, uh, I bought a bunch of insulation, you know. <laughs> I got a few looks when I pulled out of the store with it, kind of like, whoa, <laughs> you know. I got home safely, didn't get pulled over either. I have no idea if that was legal or not, but we made it home. And I've been insulating our attic and uh, trying to say, okay, I'd rather pay my self, you know, than over the years. And in the process of that, we've been cleaning out a lot of stuff and kind of that phase of life, you know, kids start getting married, you start having grandkids, like you just don't need some of the junk you've had around. And in the process of that, as Susan's going through most of that, we found like financial records from like 25 years ago. And it was just fascinating kind of seeing W-2 forms and like our giving to churches and all that and thought, how in the world did we live back then? It's kind of crazy seeing all of those, those kinds of things. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about exactly that. Just a financial, what, what God says to us in the book of Proverbs about finances. And, you know, I think I was uh, in the life group that I was in this week, we, uh, we talked about this, but I'm kind of amazed. You know, the, the Bible is obviously a spiritual book. It's a religious book, not primarily religious, if you will. It's not trying to prop up a particular denomination or religious practices so much, but it's trying to teach us about who we are as people and about who God is and how to have a relationship with Him. But then it's so practical in so many ways, and the, it's so amazing. There's, I don't know, I didn't count the number of verses in Proverbs. There's probably 30, 50, I don't know how many verses that just deal with money, just straight up money, money, money kind of thing. And, and I, I just, I take away just thinking about that, that God is a loving, real God, but he, he is investing in our world. There's not a day that goes by that you and I do not live with the realities of money, Right. I mean, you get up and get dressed in the morning. It took money to buy those clothes. You have a bed you sleep in. You have heat this winter. I mean, we live with that as a constant, consistent reality in our life, a pressure point, frankly, for us. And the Bible speaks so much to it because money is even a window to our soul. It's a quick way to get at what's important to us. I mean, it's kind of breathtaking to look at the end of the year, like, where, what did I spend all my money on? Where did it all go? Because we tend to put our money with where our values are along the way. And so this morning, I want to be careful. This is not about, uh, not the infomercial TV, like how to get rich quick or how to, you know, how to have a great budget and get all that you can out of life. We're going to talk about God's principles for money, but really what it is, is, is God has given us a pathway to know Him, and then He's told us 
and in that, that there's some things that are significant for our life, but how to be effective in this world. I mean, just step back with me. God is the original engineer of this universe. Can we all agree to that? He's the architect. He's the designer. He put it together. He knows how it's supposed to work, can work, and he's told us how to do it. And so, and he, he wants us to serve him in the middle of that and to kind of help money be a part of the solution rather than a problem in our life. So I'm going to be, full disclaimer, we're at the point of Proverbs where you just can't turn to one place. Life group leaders, uh, good luck with all of the page turning and the flipping. You're going to be hopping from verse to verse a lot this week. And honestly, most of the... because. The Bible's not written like an encyclopedia or a dictionary where you turn to one page and you just read all there is about God. I'm going to turn to this page, read all there is about this or that. It's just real life interwoven, and so by nature, Proverbs are short, and they talk about a lot of stuff. So I'm boiling out for you, as long as I can talk fast enough in a reasonable amount of time, I've got six principles that in the book of Proverbs, just I looked at... I don't know if I caught them all, but I got almost all of them. All of the verses that talk about money kind of boiled it down to just six. These are key principles. And so treat this like a financial makeup, a health check. If you go to the doctor regularly, just how are you doing? And most of these, hopefully none of this, are things that you've never heard before. Honestly, that's a good thing if you go to church and you don't hear a lot new. There's something probably wrong if you hear something new every week. Like, are you really preaching truth or not? You know, like, are you making this up? But along the way, we get we get off track, don't do we not? We let stuff creep into our life, and God has to remind us of stuff and kind of bring us back to that. So, so if you want to, you can turn in your Bible. I don't have one passage. I'm going to flash these on the screen. In fact, it's so bad, I'm not even opening my Bible. I mean, true disclaimer, I just printed them out on paper because I can't turn fast enough. But... Let's look at the first set of Proverbs. First things I want you to notice, first principle is that Proverbs tell us that we should work at our work. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because we talked a lot about work last week, but I want to read these few to you and give you a couple things to think about. Look at Proverbs 12:11. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. The Bible teaches us if you work hard and work hard in the right things that produce, you'll have enough to eat. You'll have bread. But he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Well, don't work your field. Don't work hard at your job. Go play. Do whatever else you want to do. Play video games or pursue that dream, you know, want to be a budding poet. Mom, I just want to be a poet. I don't want to, you know, get a job. Well, great. That's a wonderful hobby. But, like, you need to go work a field, too, you know? It's, there were some wonderful poets back in the Bible times, and they got to get up in the morning when the cows got up or whatever and did their work. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The tr- there's some wisdom in here telling us that when we work, just the going through the grind, the day in and day out, and, and, and you know, think about what the farmer does. I've never been a farmer. I live among farmers. I can be out on a Friday night enjoying a nice little fire out in my backyard, and there goes the, you know, the manure spreader. There goes the tractor. And I just think, God bless those farmers. They work so hard for their, their jobs and to make it. I'm grateful for them. But, you know, they don't, they're not in a get-rich-quick scheme. You know, in fact, if they're just breaking easy, even as dairy farmers today, they're doing pretty well. But the Bible tells us there's something about valuing hard work 
that's just little by little making progress. Something that I've noticed is there's a tendency in all of us to want to kind of just jump to the big paycheck. We just kind of want to, you know, get there. I I can see sometimes young students graduate, and after a couple of years in, it's like they want to be like where they see themselves in 20 years. They want to be there in two years. And I'm like, hold on, you got to pay your dues. There's no shortcuts along this pathway that... We are taught in Scripture as a part of honoring God is to work hard and to recognize there is just a progressive paying your time, paying in the little by little, and that things that we try to do just quickly and get rich quick or whatever, that we end up making a mess in our life. My grandmother was kind of one of those get-rich-quick schemes people. She was from California, no offense, Phil. She was a little weird, just the fruits and nuts. She, she really, you're not a fruit and nut, but she really was the nutty she really was like, you know, oh, this water, it's got extra oxygen in it that, you know, that you're going to take in and it's going to make you better. I'm like, like, I'm not a fish. I don't get oxygen from my water. I don't have gills. You know, I'm like, Graham, this is, what are you doing? What are you talking about? You know, and she'd spend all this, just, no, just, no, you should not be investing in the lottery to be thinking that you're going to get it. The reason that a few people win is because the vast majority lose, like just, Pay your dues, work it, and work hard in that. But put your time in things that are going to take care of you. Notice it says worthless pursuits, lack sense. Let me give you another little thing that I've seen. I won't spend long on this, but I've watched, I've felt the pain of so many college students that either their parents didn't go to school before them or didn't know how to help them or their counselors or whoever they were listening to didn't help them but they kind of have in their mind, well, if I go to school, I get a degree that it's going to equal like success in taking care of me. And I've watched so many students have degrees and go into debt over those degrees and end up in a job that that degree doesn't even begin to do anything for them. They're in kind of a do-nothing degree. And uh, it kind of angers me, to be honest with you. Colleges are, A lot of colleges are selling a bill of goods there. And so for whatever it's worth, those are pursuits, in my mind, that are worthless. They are not necessarily absolutely worth nothing, but, but they are worth less. And to be spending thousands and thousands of dollars that don't lead to a payback to you financially is not wise. This is kind of what the Proverbs telling us. Like, hey, you may end up being, you know, at least with a field, you've got put in your time and you get a benefit out of that. And so... I just I feel the pain as I've watched so many students then end up graduating and they can't get a job anywhere, you know, with any kind of the degree that they have along the way. And anyhow, I just it 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 upsets me. And I just I see the truth of what this proverb says. Make sure you're pursuing something that's worthwhile <laughs> that that ends up being financially productive. So those of you that have kids coming down the line, think about it. What I've tried to do with my kids, my wife is the driver's ed teacher. I'm the guidance counselor in the Pierce home. So all of my kids, I start, hey, who are you? What do you like to do? And I think about who there are and made up. And we just start looking at jobs. And what kid goes to school with all of the bazillion jobs that are out there, has any clue in this world what they might do? And I start showing some things. And we kind of look and we, and we kind of go backwards. Then if you need a degree to do that job, all right, well, that makes sense. But don't start there just hoping it works out. That's backwards. So second thing, what God tells us, not just to work at our work, but to work at our investment. Look at Psalm 23. 
Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations? When the grass is gone and, they, and the new growth appears and the vegetation of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food. I don't think I've had goat's milk. Maybe I've had some from the Hughes. You're the only one that does goat's milk that I know anyway. For the food of your household and for the maintenance of your girls. So not only should we work at our work, but we ought to work at our investments. There's a well-known Christian financial advisor that talks all about you know, your, your investments, your retirement, and all of that, and uses this passage appropriately so to talk about those things. But it's more than just kind of your retirement. It's, it's be wise with where you put your money in general. And we don't live in an agrarian world, so we're not working fields, but we should invest in, in, in jobs and work that will in turn take care of us what we need. And we should be careful to watch over those things well. Farmers care about the rain. They pay attention to that. And if you have animals, you're out there making sure they're okay and they're healthy because you know that you depend on that and your family depends on that for livelihood later on. What that means for you and me today is we should be careful to pay attention to our investments of where we're, we've put our finances that we will be taking care of later on, that we shouldn't just be thinking about today, we should be thinking about tomorrow. You see, sheep in this passage are something you buy today so that you can enjoy tomorrow, all right? So that you can be taken care of tomorrow. That means for you and for me, we ought to think about insurance for our family, it's a good Christian principle to say, you know what? Bad things happen in life. Something may happen. I probably need to buy today and invest in sheep today that I know that I can be taken care of tomorrow. So pay attention to those things the Bible tells us very pragmatically. Think about your life. Don't think about just today. Think about tomorrow, what's coming down the line. It also means we should think about our retirement. What are we buying today? None of us, I don't personally get a, a benefit, I, a, a psychological, emotional benefit. When I, you know, if I get with retirement, like, hey, here's how much money is going in, I just, I can't comprehend that. I'm like, I hope that's good. I'm doing kind of what people recommend. I'm, you know, I'm not a financial advisor. But I'm buying today because I want to eat tomorrow. You know, there's coming a time where I want to be able to buy a coat if I need a coat and what I need to do. So we, we should take care of those things. But this passage speaks more to that than just those. It's even being careful what you invest in your money today. My snowblower and my lawnmower all went out. We found out about like in the same month. Um, and so... Uh, I went and took the snowblower rings. It looked like it was a transmission issue. I try to fix whatever I can to save a buck like so many people, but we realized, like, no, this one's beyond us. So I took it in, and the guy finally looked at it, and, they're, and they said, yeah, it's going to be like seven or $800, and your transmission is shot. And I bought it used 15 years ago, and, you know, the, the muffler on it's bad, and it's, you know, it's just it's getting old, and it's all rusty. And I said, you know what? It's not worth $1,000 for me dumping into this snowblower. And I, my driveway, many of, not most of you have been there. I mean, it's long. It's, what, 150, 180 feet long. I've got two driveways responsible for and a big parking area. 
when it's a big storm, I've got to be able to get out. I've Three or four of my kids work in the medical field, so when there's a blizzard, they don't get the luxury of staying home. They have to get to work because some people need to be at the hospital. You know, they're have to, they have to get out. So I looked at use options, and I just wasn't seeing anything I had confidence. So I ended up paying $2,000 to buy a new snowblower. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This thing should be, like, gold-bladed. And it was the cheapest that I could figure out. At least it came, it really did came with heated handles. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I really didn't need the heated handles. If there was a cheaper option without them, I'd have been really a happy man without them. But I'm like, okay, so, you know, just add more to whatever, you know. I did it because I needed to pay my money today so that we can be taken care of tomorrow. That's what this passage is talking about. It's like, think about taking, paying attention into your life and not just living for your enjoyment today. So often, you and I impulse buy, and so often we just buy to be happy in the moment. And what this passage is telling us is like, we need to really think about tomorrow more than we think about today. The tomorrows, there's a lot more tomorrows than there are todays. So you need a lot more in that lane. And be, be careful. Be careful of those things. It also speaks to our the debt issue. Look at the next passage in, here in Proverbs 28. Be not one of those who give pledges, who put up security for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you? The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave to the lender. God's principles are to be careful with your debt. In fact, the passage we read last week is don't put up uh, security and cosigns for just people. In fact, you need to be careful to get out of that. And here it's again telling us the dangers of, of borrowing. You see, borrowing is the opposite of sheep. Sheep, in this passage, is, is you're investing today, you're buying today, so you can enjoy and be taken care of tomorrow. When you and I take out a loan, we're doing it 100% backwards from what the Bible says. We are enjoying today so we can pay for it tomorrow. It's backwards. And what happens is if we get a, too much of that going down the line, the payday comes eventually where we got too much we've spent and banked on being in a good shape tomorrow and we don't bargain for pandemics happening and disabilities kicking in and just, you know, things and medical issues that we weren't bargaining for and we get in a jam. It kills me, but, you know, all of the loans, you know, hey, for just the amount of money, I, we can get it into a month, you know, lease a new car. And I'm like, that is not the first thing you should look at, you know. It's, it's not it at all. We should be looking at long term down the road. So what this passage is saying is notice in all of this, the goal here, what God's telling us pretty clearly is like, be happy to have a bed underneath you. Be happy to have clothes on your back. Be happy to have food for your belly. That's what these Proverbs are telling us, and Jesus turns around the same thing. And all of us have things beyond that. Not everybody in the world does. We do. We live in the 5% wealthiest part of the world. And I know we look at each other and we don't feel that wealthy, but if we hung around with the rest of the world, we would realize where we really are along the way. And God is telling us to be really careful when we take out loans. In fact, most of us just, we need to cut those way down. Transparency, Susan and I have a mortgage on a house, but we try to live and try to teach our kids to be debt-free and to live and 
Thankfully, between living in a state that loves to give money away to uh, college students and being and then being able to live at home, and Susan and I told them, like, we've had too many of you. There's eight of you. We've not been able to save a billion dollars for your school loan. You're going to have to work. Between them working and federal assistance and them living at home and, and skipping the high, you know, uh, living in a dorm and all of that, you know, Susan and I said, we'll... We will transport you to and from school, i.e., you can use our car and we'll pay for your gas and, uh, and go there. They've been able to do okay and figure out most of that relatively quickly. And when it comes to vehicles, it's the same way for us is that it's, I, I'm, the, I'm the guidance counselor. I'm also the car buying guy, which is intimidating because it's one thing if I buy a used car, it's on me, but when I'm paying my kids money and they don't have money to overcome it, you know, if they, if they get a limit or something bad. But I tell you, there was a time, I think, when cars, you know, past a certain age, you couldn't rely on them, but there are so many reliable vehicles that go for forever. I, we bought, I think I've purchased one new vehicle in my life, and we ended up putting like 258,000 miles on it, I think. So I'm like, okay, I got my money's worth out of it. But I really, personally, I try to not spend more than $1,000 a year on what the purchase price or what I would say are unreasonable repairs, like not including brakes and oil changes, you know, but like the big things, like that's my goal. And because of that, I don't, we don't buy new. So you may, and that may make sense to work for your budget and you know all of that, that's fine. I'm not saying that's wrong, but we need to realize that we're all trying to subsidize a lifestyle and a standard of living and to put us in this other world where all of our friends and neighbors and family lives. And God says, yeah, you need to kind of leave that stuff alone and just make sure that you've got yourself taken care of for the future. That's what you need to be doing in this world. We could look at Ecclesiastes, but Ecclesiastes ends it up as like, yeah, this whole world is just empty and vain. Why are you working so hard at it? Just enjoy your work, provide for yourself, because at the end of the day, that's all you're going to get. You can't do any more. Third principle of money that Proverbs tells us. Work at your generosity. Look at Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Verse, chapter 21, verse 26. But the righteous gives and does not hold back. That passage is talking about the person who's lazy, can't even make a living. But righteous people work and they give. They're generous with their money and they don't hold back. 1917. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. I love that. You're not giving to somebody else, you're giving to God, and He will repay him for the deed. So Scripture, as you know, tells us, repeated, we are to be generous with our money. That means that we should see when we go to work, we're not just working to what we can get, but we're working to what we can give. And I don't know how that plays out in your mind, but you know whether it's an hour a day, hey, this hour, I'm spending an hour so that I can give to other people, or if it's a day a week, or however it works, it's... Generous probably for most of us is more than an hour a week. I mean, that's what, 140th or 150th of the income. And maybe for you, with your financial situation where you are, that that is generous. It's the, there's a, a, a principle of proportional giving and all of that in Scripture. But for the vast majority of us, that's probably not generous. But the Bible tells us that we, we're, we're giving. And 
you know, we've always taught our kids, and it seems to line up with Scripture, although there's some a lot of latitude here, is that we give our priority giving, we give through the local church, because the local church is the general default ministry that stabilizes, if you will, and invests in all the other ministries. So we want our local church to thrive. It's the it's the primary expression of Christ in the community. It's the primary outreach and discipleship mechanism in a community, wherever it may be, and all over the world. And then we give to other things along the way as well. And whether it be missions, my wife has a spiritual gift of giving. That's always painful when you don't have the spiritual gift of giving. She's like, can we give more to this? I'm like, Yes, honey, we can. You know, <laughs> I've learned along the way. And so she's always wanting to give to various things, like uh, to help Christian persecuted Christians over the world and all of this. And it's kind of it's cool that we can do that. But, so we do all of those on top of it as well as the church. But the Bible tells us to give generously. Give, give, give sacrificially and generously when you look at those, uh, those principles in Scripture. And a part of that is to take care of the poor. Now, there's a tension in Scripture with poverty. The Bible says clearly, if you don't work, you're not going to eat. Work, and then you can eat. But in some cases, people can't work. Physically not able, or something's happened, and they are in a poverty situation. And we, who are able to work, are told to take care of them, to be generous. Uh, the, the rub comes when people can work and they're enabled to not work and just receive. That's where the rub, and that's not, God does not tell us to do that. But we are to take care of the poor, and that's a part of that giving. So you work and work at your generosity, work at being gracious to people and giving. And, you know, Christians should be not stingy financially. We shouldn't be the looking at what the paycheck is. We should be looking to give. You know, that passage I just read says, the righteous give, and they do not hold back. They don't say, wait a minute, that's a lot. They, they're kind of on the other. They kind of lavish, you know, kind of like your grandmother. I don't know how your grandmother was when you went to your house. Here, you need a little bit more on that plate. You know, like, no, enough. That's the way we're to live and to be work in such a way that we've taken care of things for tomorrow and we've saved for it. By the way, if you're going to take care of those that sheep, I didn't talk about it, but you ought to have a budget. If you don't, you know, you ought to be working off of those things, and you ought to be taking care of that so you know where all that is. But you have those budgets so that you can be in a spot to give rather than all of a sudden a need pops up. You know, even if somebody that needs something in front of you, and if we were better managers of our money, that we'd have re reserve to give. It's so often we just live kind of day to day and we're, we're kind of like, oh, I just I don't have anything, you know, and we can't give to somebody. So work at being generous. Work financially so that you can give. And most of us are in a hole financially and we're having to dig out of it. And the best way to deal with it is, is stop spending so much and begin to save and to put away. But I'll talk about that more in a second. Uh, third principle, wherever I am, third or fourth, I don't remember. Working at generosity, let's work at our priorities is what's next. Proverbs 15, 16, 17, Better is a little with fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs. I don't get excited about an herb dinner, to be really honest with you. 
That to me, I don't know exactly what an herb is, if anybody knows exactly what that was in that time, but that sounds like eating a plate of parsley to me. Like, like sometimes I go out at a restaurant and they give me a salad, I'm like, this salad's terrible. Like, it's just all lettuce. I get like a little piece of tomato and like a little green pepper. I'm like, come on, guys, you know? That, that's kind of like this. So better to just have a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who's crooked in his ways. If we're going to be able to give generously and live generously, work at our generosity, really what's got to happen is, is our priorities have to reorient. Most of the world around us lives for money in one way or another. And we all battle that. There's stuff we want. If it's not money, it's what money can buy, right? We want a little bit better. It's kind of the way we are as people. If we have good, we want great. You know, if we have okay, we want better. It's just the way we are as people. And what the Bible's telling us is that money really at the issue is not the issue. It's the heart that's behind it. And that's why it's a spiritual issue in our soul. This is not a just how to manage your money and do better at home so you can live happily ever after. God's telling us to get our priorities straight. That trying to work at the money thing should not be our priority. We should actually spend more time worrying about the love that we have in our life and about our relationships and that we fear God. We should value and say, you know what? I need to fear God more. I need to not be afraid of God more, but I need to so respect and see God in His awesomeness and amazingness that I want to come closer to Him and that my whole life is in alignment with pleasing Him. That should be a bigger value in our heart than what we're going to get in our W-2 or what our boss is paying us, or what we're making in this world, or I'm not making enough. We should actually care more about our soul <laughs> and our relationship with God and the fact that God loved us and sent His only Son, Jesus, to die for us, and our life should be lived out of that overflow more than the definement, as the video showed earlier, of just of what our income may be. We should care more about that. I found it interesting. You know the Hobby Lobby, the kind of just huge organization. What does Hobby Lobby sell? I've never even been in one. Like it, there's a reason why I've never been in Hobby Lobby. <laughs> Matt, Jason, I never have to go. I'm, I'm good to go. Rest of my life, I'm good. That's a story I can avoid. So the, it's owned by a guy by the name of David Green. He's a, a committed Christian, from my understanding. And he just made, made it public that he's decided to give his company away. I don't know how many millions or billions it's worth. I didn't bother looking it up. You can Google it. But here's what he said. He said, wealth can be a curse. And in most cases, wealth is a curse in terms of marriage, children, and things of that nature. And he made a decision that he did not want to put a curse on his kids and unborn grandkids and just hand them a million dollars that they've never worked for or earned in their life. Sometimes, honestly, we can make that mistake as parents, that we overgive to our kids and things they didn't have to work, and we enable them in some bad habits. But we should have a priority. If he realized, he said, you know what? I don't own this company. God does. I'm just a steward of it. And he just, I don't know how he's giving away. I don't know what he's doing. But I'm just like, wow, that's amazing. So, folks, we should prioritize our integrity, 
our relationships. You've heard me say it before, but I, I really mean it. I hope I don't ever have to do this. I, I genuinely mean that. I could be in another country, it'd be reality, and who knows, just all kinds of atrocities and war atrocities that people end up in these tent shelter encampments. But I'd rather live in a cardboard box and know God and have a love in my family than I would in all the other stuff. So let me give you a little zinger into your heart. If that's the case, then why do sometimes as couples we fight over money? Why do we allow money to cause such an issue in a relationship? And why do we choose it over the relationship and the person and what's going on? And as a pastor, why do sometimes as churches we let money be a problem of strife when we should be choosing other things over it? The Bible says, get your priorities right. Fear God, care about the love and the relationships of your life, consider your integrity, value your integrity and being a person of honesty more than a person of, of money. Next one. You guys are listening so fast, I'm going to do these next two quickly and we'll be done. Work at your contentment. Proverbs 23, 4-5. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Wow! It's not saying don't work hard, but don't obsess and just... Go hard just because you're trying to get ahead and gain wealth. shouldn't be that important to you. Be discerning enough to desist. Don't be fooled. Don't be a fool. Don't be foolish. Don't be unwise. Be discerning to stop. Cease and desist. Stop just trying to think about the money and getting ahead. When your eyes light on it, I love that it doesn't define what the it is, but you know it when you see it. You know what I mean? That it that you want. Pay attention, he says. When your eyes light on it, it's gone. Suddenly it sprouts wings and flies like an eagle toward heaven. We have all experienced that, have we not? We usually as teenagers, oh, I just needed that, you know, hair pants or I need that toy, I need this thing, and guys, you know, I don't know how you guys roll, but oh, that tool would be awesome, or wow, I need, you know, and ah, I, can you, somehow we know this in our head, that we think, oh, that's, that's it, I get that, I'm going to be satisfied, it's going to be good, and I'm going to be living large, I'm going to love this, it's going to be great, six months down the road, eh, it's okay. What was that thing I spent all that money on? Oh, there's an even better thing that I need next. And it just flew away like a bird and took off. The Bible tells us to work at our contentment. You see, you'll never be generous and have your heart in alignment with God without, genero without generosity. And you'll never be generous if you don't get your priorities right. It's not, this world is not about money. It's about other things. And the only way you can get to that point is if you become content with what you have. And quit. we quit setting our eyes on the next thing. I have to tell you, that's hard for me. My eyes see stuff, and I'm like, oh, I like that. I want that. I need that. I got to have that, you know? And we shouldn't. We need to step back. Because the Bible's telling us, yeah, watch your money. Keep track of it, because what you got today is what's going to take care of you tomorrow. And put that as the priority. Whoever loves pleasure will be poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be 
rich. If we love the riches of life, we're actually going to be poor, not just financially, because we're going to end up giving it all away. I'm blown away at people that end up making so much money in their life, and somehow they blow this, and they end up just, um, you know, go from wealthy to nothing because they love the riches. They love what it can buy. So work at being content. I'm not saying if you're about to go to the store after you leave this place and buy something new, I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip. It's okay. I bought something yesterday or the day before. I, I get terrible cell coverage. I'm tired of trying to talk to you guys on the phone. I lose a call. So I spent like it's a ridiculous amount of money to just try to get a booster of a cell signal in my house. It's one of those, you live in the country, it's just one of the realities of life. So we have to buy stuff, but do it for a purpose. Let me give you the last one. The last one is work at trusting God. A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. We're to trust in God. And that's what enriches us, not just financially, but in every way. People who are greedy get ugly because it's about them. That's what they want. And money never satisfies your soul. You ever been around a baby when they're hungry? It's not pleasant. You know, it's been a while since I've had that. Thankfully, I've got two people in my life. I'm like, here, this belongs to you. He's crying. <laughs> like, you with me, Dan? I'm like, this one's not mine. I don't have to pay for this thing. Like, this is, I got nothing for this kid. You know, being a grandparent's a great thing. People who are hungry are not happy. And when you love money, the Bible tells us you will never be satisfied with money. You'll never get that baby after they just a newborn, just like nurses, and they're just like, oh, life is so good. And it's just, you know, they just get that. You know what I'm talking about? That satisfied, amazing look on their face. If you love money, you never get that. Never, ever. Instead, you get cranky and you get angry. And you make other people around you cranky and angry too. And when you're that way, that comes out in your relationship, in your home, husbands and wives and all of that. Instead, we're to trust God to take care of us. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. If we trust in our money, we're going to fall flat on our face. I don't care how much you have. It's what it's telling us. And the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he has no sorrow with it. In other words, bottom line, whatever you have, God has given it to you, and He's the one that's been blessed with it, blessed you with it. And our job is to trust Him. To trust Him when we think, ah, this bill just came due, and I don't know how I'm going to make it. Trust Him when we think, you know what? Oh my goodness, Sean remind me of some verses that I have messed up, and I have gotten into some debt that I shouldn't, and I don't know how I'm going to get through it. God loves you. And He's a gracious, merciful God, and He will help you. You're going to have to straighten some things out and begin to change your heart in some things, but He'll help you, and He'll take care of you. You can trust Him. But our job is to trust Him for what we need and for how we live and where we go in this life and to devalue so much of the things that we put stock in. Guys, so much of our life is lived out so much peace and joy comes into our life when we stop orienting our world and taking our cues from what the world tells us is important or how to live. I mean, 
when it comes to relationships and parenting and money and how we live our life, we, we need to get our source of truth squared with Scripture. Because God tells us not just how to know Him and to be saved and go to heaven and have an incredible relationship with Him. He tells us how to live in a way that pleases Him in this life, but the way we live and that pleases Him in this life is actually better for us. And we live so much more fulfilled. And the stress begins to go out of it. Not that we're ever going to live stress-free. There's hard things that happen in life for sure. But it's just, it's so much better. So mom and dads, a big challenge to you. We, most of us, learn the way we handle money and really how we even handle relationships from our parents. Which the parents in the room, that should scare you a little bit. It should kind of put the fear of God in you a little bit. New parents, it should put the fear of God in you a bit because your kid's going to copy you. And so I want to encourage you as you help your kids to think and learn these principles of just money and relationships and all these things, but along the way, help them to not just be, these are not life hacks, just tips and tricks. This is comes out of the overflow of our relationship with God, with a God in heaven who's so gracious and loves us that He sent His Son Jesus to die for us, to give us eternity in heaven with Him, but to give us a lifetime on this earth with Him as well. And He teaches us how to live in a way that pleases Him and will take care of us and puts us in relationship with those around us. So I don't know what you needed to be reminded of this morning, but God took a lot of time in Proverbs to tell us about money. Jesus taught an awful lot about it because it's a window to the soul. But where did you need to be encouraged? Where did you need to be challenged? Where did you say, oops, I think I might have messed that one up. And what do you need to help get it straight? You know, if there's something in your life that you kind of like, yeah, I have been lusting after that thing and not being content. I don't need a new this or a new that. Then confess that to God and just say, God, forgive me. Help me to be content. Maybe you struggle with contentment. Maybe your response needs to be, God, I struggle with contentment. That's probably what I need to do. and just be something that I need to watch and work at. To work on just being satisfied. I got enough. I'm well fed. I don't need anything else. But whatever God's kind of spoken in your heart this morning, respond to Him in that. Respond to Him. Pray with me, would you? Father, thank You for the Lord Jesus. Thank You that He loves us. Thank You that You sent Him to die for us and You take care of us. And Lord, forgive us. We stress over money more than we should. And Lord, I know that's going to be natural and it's impossible for any of us to be stress-free. We feel the pain of it. But Lord, would you help us to turn and to trust you and to not put ourselves in spots where we value money beyond all these other things that are so much more important. And help us to just see it for what it is. It's just a commodity in this life to make a living, to eat and live. And what really is important is what we do with our life more than what we make. So Father, thank you that we can trust you. Help us to work, provide for our needs, Lord. I I know that in our church, time from time, people lose their jobs. I just pray you provide for our needs. There, may, there are some here, Lord, that I'm sure that are in debt beyond what they're comfortable with and beyond what they, where they want to be. Lord, would you help them? Would you provide what they need? Help them to adjust and to adapt and be able to dig out of that hole. And Lord, uh, you take care of us, even when we've made messes. And so, Father, we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.